I'm Kylie Sultana, your money mistress here at the Money Brew Podcast. We're going to get down and dirty and take the taboo out of the topic of money and get your financial world in order. Okay, thank you for tuning in to the Money Brew. Today, I have got uh, our new advisor from Creo Wealth with us, Sego Siripoka. That's yes, right. That's right. Sego <laughs> is our new financial advisor. He has a Bachelor of Economics and a graduate diploma in financial planning. And he became a financial advisor to make a difference in people's lives through educating and guiding people towards their financial goals and making financial planning less overwhelming by explaining financial jargon in more simple terms. Sego has some extensive work history, having worked with various practices within the AMP network, which includes spending time at Stature Financial Group and PSK Private Wealth. He started at the bottom and he's now at the top with his experience as an administrator, paraplanner and uh, associate advisor, sorry, and financial advisor. Sego, thank you for coming on and um, having a chat with me. Uh, thanks for having me. That's all right. You're welcome. So let's get straight into it. Sego, why did you become a financial advisor? Well, the story starts um, when I was a child. Um, my parents were, or my dad particularly, was terrible with money. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially with um, him and the way that he had his money habits, mm-hmm. um, I saw it was just wasteful in the way that he was spending his money. And, um, you know, um, at the time he bought a, um, you know, old you could say luxury car, which was a BMW or BMW, as I like to call it. <laughs> and essentially that car became a money pit in, in a sense. So um, that was my first, you could say, um, lesson into money. Don't buy old luxury cars. <laughs> but also um, my dad's money habits. Um, he was just a terrible, um, you could say, spender. When petrol prices were high, he'd kind of fill up then, not when petrol prices were low. But um, yeah, I kind of learned um, you know, the value of money um, looking at my dad uh, spending money in, in, in a sense. So I thought, um, you know, I want to be a bit different to the way my dad is with money. So um, I was a bit more careful, mm-hmm. kind of budgeted with things. So if he gave me, you know, a couple of dollars to kind of spend, I would always save like half or, you know, a couple of dollars here and there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of put that in the, you know, old piggy banks <laughs> in, in terms of what we had back in the day. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the reason why I became an advisor was because um, I didn't like accounting because that's too number crunching for me and too boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not that smart to be an economist, so <laughs> that's why I didn't go down that path. And um, one of the things I really um, liked about financial planning was the relationship aspect of meeting people, um, you know, solving their problems in a sense, money problems, and kind of you know getting to know them and kind of building a relationship on that essentially and that's what interested me and that's what path I went down and I'm glad I came down this path even though with all that's happening in the industry yeah um it's been um a very uh, you could say purposeful um fulfillment for me to kind of come down this path as a younger advisor in the industry yeah that's really interesting because um anthony as you know uh, our principal advisor here he um loves doing the aged care work because of when his dad went into aged care so that's why he loves that so it's interesting that you saw how your dad was with money and particularly well for myself i saw how my mum was with money and she was terrible but i was terrible with money so i kind of copied her so i love that you took on that experience. So what at what age was that when you kind of, do you think, when you started noticing 
I think it was closer to maybe eight to ten years old. Um, so quite young. Yeah, because yeah. my parents, like, we were a middle-class family in a sense. And yeah. at times, um, you know, my parents would give me money, maybe $5 to go and, you know, buy something. I'd always save maybe 2 or $3 just for another time, but I'd spend maybe, you know, 2 or $3 buying whatever I need to buy. And I've always had that, um, you could say, thought of, you know, just saving money in a sense. Yeah. I would never, you know, spend all the money that I'd receive. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's just my dad, particularly. Yeah. But I've always had that frame of mind since I was younger, essentially. So it's yeah. only kind of grown from there as you get older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what about mum? What, what sort of an influence did mum have on you? Um, see, my mum is probably on the opposite scale. She's more conservative. Mm-hmm. So she will kind of save money in a sense. So she doesn't go out and spend the money. She's more of a saver, more risk adverse. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to take on too much risk. Mm-hmm. And I think I've kind of learned from that as well because in life you do have to take risks in a sense. Yeah. Even though if it's calculated risks, you still got to take a risk. Yeah. And from my mum, she's still conservative to this day. She's, you know, not a person that would want to take risks. So sometimes um, for me, I've got to explain, you know, what the benefits, costs and risks are in terms of doing something. So... That's that's one of the reasons why I got into financial advice and become an advisor as well because my mum, she's not really financially literate mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes I've got to you know, keep it simple and explain things or terms where she'd be able to understand and kind of digest what I'm saying. So um, that's probably one of the reasons why I became an advisor as well, just to explain things in simple terms. Um, yep. We like to use the KISS um, acronyms, keep it, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. But um, like essentially, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I became an advisor because my mum, she doesn't know a lot about finance. So yep. um, as the oldest child of my parents, um, I had to you know, explain things to her and, um, yeah, just, just explain things to her and kind of educate her along the process as well. As well, yeah. yeah. And what about your personal experience with investing and, and super and all of that? Do you invest yourself? Are you a- Yeah, so I... I'm, you could say, more of a long-term investor, so I invest in super. Um, there was a consideration when you're investing in super and outside of super, in a sense. Um, I look at the long-term, um, you could say, perspective, and that's why I kind of invest in super because I think it's more about compounding interest or compounding wealth, in a mm-hmm. sense. The larger balance that you do have, the more that you'll be able to make in terms of returns, um, you know, whether or not it be capital growth, whether or not it be dividend growth, the mm-hmm. more that you, you could say build up, the more that you'd be able to be rewarded by that essentially. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of having, you could say, small amounts in terms of different accounts, like for instance, a small amount in, you know, investments outside supers and a small amount in inside super. I'd rather prefer having a large amount or building a large amount in super where it kind of takes care of itself and is able to compound mm-hmm. and then work on other things after it's, you could say, uh, build up itself to kind of just sustain and kind of build up, uh, build up, build itself up for wealth essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so when you were starting to invest, invest yeah. or looking to invest, did you look at other options? Did you set some goals? Did you sort of think, well, I'm going to just going to look after? For the future, did you do you set any sort of medium term goals? Do you have a do you have a rainy day fund? Yeah, so um, with you could say super, what I do is dollar cost average or DCA. Um, dollar cost averaging is basically um, putting you could say regular um, contributions into super. 
So I set aside some funds every month to kind of put into super and that's just to build up over time because investing is a long-term game, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so that's what I do with that investing part. Um, with the budgeting and kind of saving for a rainy day, um, given that I've, you know, before joining career, I took a sabbatical. I had about uh, six months worth of savings, you know, just to get through, you know, um, taking time off, you know, professional work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people don't have a rainy day fund, which is rather important in the event that something does happen, your car breaks down, um, you get injured, you're not able to work. Exactly. Um, I, I feel like, um, yeah, a lot of people just live, um, you know, you could say frivolously, you know, now just for the moment. And yep. that's not a good thing. Um, having a rainy day fund is just in the event that something does happen. And, um, you know, having a cash balance for, you know, at least three or six months is, you know, something that people should look towards. Yeah, well, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, So thank you for sharing that. So tell me, why would someone come to you for financial advice? What's the first thing you would do? Well, with financial advice, um, we provide, you could say, initially, it's, you could say, general discussion about your specific, no, not specific, but your general circumstances. Mm-hmm. We're not going to provide any, you could say, specific advice in the initial interactions, but what we do as an advice is basically guidance, essentially. Um, having a discussion based on, you know, your specific circumstances, uh, you know, when we go through, um, you know, what would be best for you when we go th- through the financial advice process. Mm-hmm. But what advisors do, the value of advice is basically navigating what your goals are, what you want to get out of it, mm-hmm. whether or not it be reducing, you know, costs, fees, looking at diversification, looking at how to invest in inheritance, um, you know, setting up structures to minimize tax. We provide guidance on, you could say, what would be best on, based on your specific circumstances. Mm-hmm. So all financial advice that we provide is usually, you could say, tailored specifically to each in, each individual client's perspective, um, you could say, situation. And the reason for that is because everybody's different. Everybody has different goals. Everybody has a different, you could say, investment time frame. Mm-hmm. What we as advisors do is basically provide guidance on that to kick, kick goals and ensure that you're able to kind of retire on the beach sipping a pina colada, essentially. Well, I might have to come and see you then because I'd really like to retire on the beach sipping, <laughs> sipping cosmopolitan. <laughs> Maybe not pina coladas. They're a bit creamy for me. <laughs> um, so tell us a bit about what you like to do when you're not advising. What do you, what do you, what's your downtime? What do you do in your downtime? Well, to be fair, I'm... I, I like to indulge in different things. I'm, I'm, I think life is like a being a life, lifelong learner or lifetime learner with things. So, you know, on the weekends, either being adventurous, going out and hiking, you know, going to the beach, going to the, you know, the gym, you know, going to the sauna and sweating it out there, um, <laughs> you know, going swimming. I, I like to kind of change it up because, um, with, I'm a big fitness guy at the moment. I wasn't previously a big fitness guy, and that's due to the sabbatical as well. If you're not able to kind of um, take care of your health, um, how would you be able to take care of all the other aspects, all the other aspects of your life, essentially? Because without your health, you wouldn't be able to do anything that um, you know requires you know what, what you'd be able to do in daily life. Essentially, you wouldn't be able to kind of get out of bed. You wouldn't be able to kind of you know walk around and. I think, um, yeah, just being a big fitness guy, just working out and kind of pushing myself to the limits. I think that's what I enjoy at the moment because I think if I don't push myself, who will? 
Yeah, well, I agree. Yes, it's you're totally responsible for your own well-being. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and same could be said for finances as yeah. well. So yeah, you've just got to take that that leap. I know when I have to start exercising or going to the gym, it's just like I'll do it Monday. I'll do it Monday. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, having this practice for so long, it's kind of what you find with people's finances. They're like, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week, and then another twelve months goes on, and then they've lost that twelve months of potential investing or, or, that's right. or capital growth. That's yeah. right. So that's that's why we say the time is now to do anything because we've got one life, right? Got that's to do right. it now. Got to do it now. Um, so tell me what, um, what, what – tell me about one of the great outcomes you've had with previous clients. Like I know you've only been with us here for a few weeks, but what, what's a great outcome you've had? Have you ma- managed to turn somebody's – financial world around and kind of got them on the straight and narrow? Yeah. So um, one of the, you could say, um, success stories that we've had is, so we had a client, so this was um, a previous client of mine, essentially. And he was suffering from, you could say, medical episodes or you could say seizures at work. Mm -hmm. And he was lucky that he had um, insurance, um, mainly you could say income protection insurance. And um, because he was having these seizures or you could say medical episodes, because he was a teacher, he wasn't able to be teaching a class if he was going to go through these medical episodes or seizures as such. And what ended up happening is that um, you know, the client went through a medical you know, episode and seizure and wasn't able to work. Subsequently, what happened is that we had to file a claim um, through, you could say, the medical um, provider essentially and they had to go through you know um, compliance and checking and so forth and subsequently what happened was that um, the client got approved for that you could say income protection claim and um, just to give you a bit of context is that that client was I think 59 and subsequently um, the income protection was up until age 65 so essentially the income protection covered for the duration that um, he was uh, wasn't able to work until retirement essentially and what that did was provide cash flow and kind of, you could say, um, financial means to kind of meet their living expenses. And um, through that, um, the client was very thankful because if he wasn't, he didn't have that insurance or income protection, um, he wouldn't know how he'd be able to meet his financial needs and means because they've still got a mortgage, they've still got financial expenses. And subsequently, with that income protection, um, that kind of saved them from, you know, further stress and further anxiety with the situation that they're kind of going through. Mm. Um, that's one of the, you could say, um, things that's uh, most, that, that, that's one of the clients that has the most memorable experiences to me because eventually, um, you know, if that client didn't have insurance, um, they'd be in a far worse off situation as opposed to having insurance. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think as being in the industry, we see the value in risk insurance, personal Definitely. risk insurance, yep. um, but it's very hard. Sometimes people see the cost and they just think it's too expensive, but they don't realise the expense if they don't actually have That's right. that. So he would have needed to support his family for six years. That's right. Um Essentially, with no income, really. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that that is a fantastic outcome. Um, so, Sego, is there anything else you want to share? Any deep, dark secrets that you want to share with us? Uh, not really. Um, probably tell me since you're working for us. But <laughs> yeah, not really. I just I've just started. So. <laughs> but I'd say that um, with investing, it is a long term thing. Um, I think a lot of younger people. Um, particularly towards the generation of people that I'm kind of um, with, which is, I think, is a Gen Gen Z. 
I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think um, I'm, I'm not even sure what I am. I think I'm a. I think I'm just outside the baby boomer. <laughs> I think um, a lot of people, you know, in my generation particularly, don't really look at you could say finance or you could say saving up for a future or saving up for a house. Given you could say the crazy housing prices at the moment and kind of the way the world is. Mm-hmm. However, I think um, what people need to do is just start. Start on their journey, start, you know, investing, finding out about what investing is, you know, how it all works and how that, you know, start small. That's, 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 I think, um, the, the big goal. Start somewhere, but start small and kind of build upon, you know, your goals and dreams and aspirations as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds perfect. Um, and to finish off, if anybody wants to contact you, um, they can book in a, free a complimentary 15 minute chat that's right with you if they like what they hear and their gen what is that? <laughs> any any generation any is generation welcome to come on because it's yes. never too late to start right, right. you've just got to start that's right um so yeah so they can book in a 15 minute chat um or we do have our online course that is right. starting um which is a great place to start as well and you're going to be in there giving some of the um the live lessons in there for us, educating right. on superannuation and some insurances and stuff. So thank you so much for talking to us today, Sego, putting you in the deep end <laughs> after you've only been here a couple of weeks, probing you with all these questions. That's right. Um, so thank you and we might talk to you again later on. No worries. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Money Brew. Make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. We'd also love you to share this podcast with any friends, family or colleagues who might be interested in starting a conversation around money. 